0: The Good Daughter by Caroline Fuang, written, or er, spoken by Faithfully. The moment I walked into the dry cleaning store, I knew the woman behind the counter was from Korea, like my parents. To show her that we shared a heritage and possibly get a fellow countryman's discount, I tilted my head forward in a shy imitation of a traditional bow. Name, she asked, not noticing my attempted obeisance. Huang, Huang, I answered, Huang, are you Chinese? Her question caught me off guard. I was used to hearing such queries from non-Asians who think Asians all look alike, but never from one of my own people. Of course, the only Koreans I knew were my parents and their friends, people who've never asked me where I came from, since they know better than I. I ransacked my mind for the Korean words that would tell her who I was. It always struck me as funny, in a mirthless sort of way, that I can readily say I am Korean in Spanish, German, and even Latin than I can in the language of my ancestry. In the end, I just told her in English. The dry-cleaning woman squinted as though trying to see past the glare of my strangeness, repeating my surname under her breath. Oh, Flang, she said, doubling over with laughter. You don't know how to speak your name. I flinched. Perhaps I was particularly sensitive at the time, having just dropped out of graduate school. I had torn up my map for the future, the one that said not only where I was going, but who I was. My sense of identity was already disintegrating. When I got home, I called my parents to ask why they had never bothered to correct me. Big deal, my mother said, sounding more flippant than I knew she intended. Like many people who learn English in a classroom, she uses idioms that don't always fit the occasion. So what if you can't pronounce your name? You are American, she said. Though I didn't challenge her explanation, it left me unsatisfied. The fact is, my cultural identity is hardly that clear-cut. My parents immigrated to this country 30 years ago, two years before I was born. They told me often, while I was growing up, that if I wanted to, I could be president someday, that here my grasp would be as long as my reach. To ensure that I reaped all the advantages of this country, my parents saw to it that I became fully assimilated. So like any American of my generation, I whiled away my youth strolling malls and talking on the phone, rhapsodizing over Andrew McCarthy's blue eyes or analyzing the meaning of a certain upperclassman's offer of a ride to the homecoming football game. To my parents, I am all American, and the sacrifices they made in leaving Korea, including my mispronounced name, pale in comparison to the opportunities those sacrifices gave me. They do not see that I straddle two cultures, nor that I feel displaced in the only country I know. I identify with Americans, but Americans do not identify with me. I've never known what it's like to belong to a community, neither one at large, nor of an extended family. I know more about Europe than the continent my ancestors unmistakably came from. I sometimes wonder, as I did that day in the dry cleaners, if I would be a happier person had my parents stayed in Korea. I first began to consider this thought around the time I decided to go to graduate school. It had become a compromise. My parents wanted me to go to law school. I wanted to skip the starch-collar track and be a writer, the hungrier the better. But after 20-some years of following their wishes and meeting all of their expectations, I couldn't bring myself to disobey or disappoint. A writing career is riskier than law, I remember thinking. If I'm a failure and my life is a washout, then what does that make my parents' lives? I know that many of my friends had to choose between pleasing their parents and being true to themselves but for the children of immigrants, the choice seems more complicated, a happy outcome impossible. By making the biggest move of their lives for me, my parents indentured me to the largest debt imaginable. I owe them the fulfillment of their hopes for me. It tore me up inside to suppress my dream, but I went to school for a PhD in English literature, thinking I had found the perfect compromise. I would be able to write at least about books while pursuing a graduate degree. Predictably, didn't work out. How could I labor for five years in a program I had no passion for? When I finally left school, my parents were disappointed, but since it wasn't what they wanted me to do, they weren't devastated. I, on the other hand, felt like I was staring at the bottom of an abyss. I had seen the flaw in my life of halfwayness, in a planned life of compromises. I hadn't thought about my love life, but I had a vague plan to make concessions there too. Though they raised me as an American, my parents expect me to marry someone Korean and give them grandchildren who look like them. This didn't seem like a huge request when I was 14, but now I don't know what I'm going to do. I've never been in love with someone I dated, or dated someone I loved. Since I can't bring myself to even entertain the thought of marrying the non-Korean men I'm attracted to, I've been dating only those I know I can stay clear-headed about. And as i near the age where the question of marriage stalks of every relationship, I can't help but wonder if my parents' expectations are responsible for the lack of passion in my life. My parents didn't want their daughter to be Korean, but they didn't want her to be fully American either. Children of immigrants are living paradoxes. We are the first generation and the last. We are in this country for its opportunities, yet filial duty binds us. When my parents boarded the plane, they knew they were embarking on a rough trip. I don't think they e- imagine the rocks in the path of their daughter who can't even pronounce her own name.